Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back yet again for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It's me, Jenny, here with my favorite podcast co-host, Dan the Mandarin. Dan, what's up? Well, Jenny, I've got my running shoes on. I do. I would show you, but I would probably fall out of my chair. I'm <laughs> I would fall out of my chair, but they're laced up because our guest, who is not going to be specifically talking about running, is a runner. So I, 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 I'm racing this weekend. I got to get one more run in this afternoon. I thought, you know what? I'm going to be talking to Michelle. I better put the shoes on now. Wait, you have a race this weekend? I do. I had one last weekend. I have one this weekend. Oh, you guys. I oh, See, and you guys all know I don't even run when being chased, but... <laughs> I do have some good running shoes. They're cute, right? Uh, bring those Legend. cute shoes out here to Idaho. We'll put you on a trail and you'll never look <sighs> back. I promise. People, Dan, when people run by me or like on the street and stuff, I automatically look behind them. I'm like, should I be running too? What are they running? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Because <laughs> it's not usually my first instinct because if somebody's going to run me over or I'm going to die, like I'd rather die not tired. So, I don't well, know. Jenny, the thing is, when you're built like me, you get used to people running by you. So it just becomes. <laughs> I've got the moms with the double kids joke. in the strollers ripping by me. I've got the the seven year old track coach, true story, with the bow legs ripping by me. So uh, you just get used to it. Slow and steady wins this race, Dan. I love it. <laughs> yes. Well, who do we have with us today, Dan? We have Michelle Kaiser, and, and I got to say, I met Michelle uh, through partnership with uh, Loyola, Loyola Marymount, that's a tongue twister, university, and she had a personality and a knowledge base, and I said, girl, you got to get on her podcast. And so, so Michelle is the Assistant Director of Fitness and Wellness at LMU, and welcome, Michelle. Please tell us, how did you get to where you are now? Uh, thank you so much for that warm introduction. Uh, I am actually not wearing running shoes right now. I'm wearing Vans because I am very grateful. I am probably the only job on campus that actually can wear athletic clothing and say yeah. professional. And to get from one spot to the other on a college campus can oftentimes take a longer walk. So I skateboard. So oh, I'm wearing I Vans. love it. I love it. I show up with my iPad and skateboard in hand, and I'm supposed to be the professional in the room, not the student, but you know. Okay, so here, a quick, quick tip. Stay in school, <laughs> folks. Get your degree, get your graduate degree, because you too can skateboard from office right? to you office. you can skateboard to school. <laughs> love it. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you so much. So my introduction into the fitness industry is actually quite different. I was never a student athlete. In fact, I think I'm still chasing the title of athlete in my mind and such. Uh, when I was going through high school, I was actually a singer. I was a classical opera singer. I actually sang nice. at City Hall and did that. So um, 
don't ask me to ever sing now because <laughs> your group exercise instructor, you gain vocal nodules from I years ago. So no. My parents think it's so lovely. They spent a lot of money on you know stuff like that. And I have vocal nodules now. So they're very happy about that. I'm going to get you a shirt that says I'm classically trained. <laughs> I, I, my dad actually has a shirt that says, I don't know how to do anything, but I can play piano. Nice. <laughs> But yeah, so we're, when I got into the fitness industry, I did it because actually in high school, I was not in a good space. I was actually heavily involved in, to be completely frank and honest, drugs and drinking and a bunch of negative energy and negative people and such. And walking across my high school platform, I realized I probably wouldn't make it to my 10 year reunion with the way that I was going down. So I decided that I hadn't only done a mile for the president's test. And I thought this would be a good time to run a marathon. Nice. Natural next step. <laughs> yeah, next step, right? So zero to 100 personality, went all in, exited out of the music scene, decided to take a gap year. I'm calling it a gap year. It was not a gap year. It was me being like, I don't want to go to school anymore. So <laughs> I ended up training for marathons and working and hustling along with that and stuff like that. And I eventually went to, back in the day, it was Borders, but now like Barnes and Nobles and getting like mm -hmm. books on fitness that led to me going to our local community college and getting textbooks on fitness, on how to run properly nutrition, which then led me to going to Concordia University and getting a double degree in exercise sports science and psychology. Nice. So going into that, and that kind of opened up the world of fitness and I have never left it. And I'm one of the very few that actually has a degree in something they're using to this day. Nice, very cool. Well, how did you end up at LMU? That was happenstance. Like it was actually kind of weird. So I worked in various parts of the fitness industry, including running boutique fitness studios. I worked at the YMCA. I did body fat testing. I actually worked at Paramount Pictures as a trainer for Hollywood and such. Oh, nice. Don't wreck. If anyone's thinking that's like the pen pinnacle, it's not. It's really <laughs> what other things to go do in life. It's a lot of hours, low pay. I'm going to be completely yeah. frank and honest with people on that one. But I ended up opening a gym at 25 for the DirecTV headquarters for their corporate wellness. I built it from dirt to like what it was. Nice. Had a five-year contract with them that ended. And then I was looking on Indeed and happened to see that LMU was hiring for an assistant director for this position. And I love college energy. There's nothing like being on a college campus. It's just addicting. Like it's just so much fun. I never thought I would get back there based on my job or what I do, but I'm so grateful. I applied. I talked to the universe and said, please let me get this job. And I've been here now for four years. Nice. So. Very cool. Yeah, I agree. The energy on college campuses is legit. It's so much fun. It, oh, I don't know what they're saying half the time, but it's so much fun. <laughs> right? And that's or they're the not. The kids, they're just, the kids they're stay just the same age, right, Michelle? And we get older. And oh my gosh. Like, I need you to define what you just said. Can you repeat that? <laughs> I know. I, I, I have an office and I have an office suite that my students work in. And one time in the office suite, I heard them say, I just don't know what happens to you when you turn 30. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. What do you mean? You're, like, I walked outside my office, like, what age do you think I am, people? <laughs> That's funny. Nice. I actually know a volleyball player who plays at LMU, Mary Schroll. Oh, yes. Yeah, she's from Arizona here. And she played at the, one of the clubs that I work with. Oh, that's fantastic. She's a sweetheart. Yeah, she's oh. really good too. Oh, it's awesome. Small okay. world. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So now one of your master, like you have a master's in business with an emphasis in health 
promotion. Anybody who's ever really looked into degrees in the health and wellness field, right? There's biology, there's kinesiology. I have a microbiology degree in zoology. There's, you know, and then one thing that keeps popping up is health promotion. Mm -hmm. What is that? What explain that for our listeners? So when I was looking into getting a master's, I honestly did not quite know what exactly want to do, but I knew that business is something that I'm going to need for anything I do in life. Yeah. It's kind of one of those universal degrees. Like I tell my students, I'm like, if you absolutely feel like you need to get a master's business, like that's one thing you're going to use in everything in life. Mm-hmm. Health promotion is kind of the idea that's an overarching like umbrella term for wellness of any kind of sort. So going into like corporate wellness, going into nonprofit wellness, going into all the different aspects of wellness that we're now starting to talk about a lot more and that the pandemic especially has come about mm-hmm. that we didn't really think about before. When you look for a job nowadays, oftentimes employees are looking at what is the wellness package that's being yes. offered there. So it's not just one of those things where it's like, what is my retirement plan? It's the, are you subsidizing group fitness classes? Are you subsidizing gym passes? Do you have a gym on campus that I can go work out in? How important do you make this in our like, you know, employee culture? So that's just going into like that corporate realm. It also goes into the nonprofit realm. So I actually happen to be on a board of a shelter and we talk about wellness with them too, because compassion fatigue in all aspects of things, not just in nonprofits, but in the university setting and corporate setting, compassion fatigue is a huge thing nowadays. And how are we going about doing that? So a health and wellness promotion is kind of the idea of how are we promoting wellness on a holistic point of view to not just one person part of their life. So not just like their family life and not just their personal life, but like, yeah, let's be honest, we're at our work more than we're at home. So how are we helping to promote that there? Absolutely. Do you talk a little bit about like promoting wellness and stuff with like, and families and things like that too? Yes. So I don't believe that your life is compartmentalized. I believe that your whole entire life is all a part of it and such. So the idea of like, what energy are you bringing to yourself at work versus what are you taking back home and stuff like that? And I always equate your energy level to like your cell phone battery. So some days we charge our cell phones overnight and it's a full charge and we feel great. Kind of like when we get an eight hour sleep, sometimes we wake up and our batteries at 60% whether it's, you know, we didn't get enough sleep the night before, we didn't get enough nutrition the day before, whatever it is. So it's the idea that like, if you're at 60%, you only can do 60% of what you can do in a day then. Yeah. And we get down to that point where it's like on your phone, it's like low power mode where it's like, okay, if I hit low power mode on my phone, then I can only do half of what I was doing, or I can keep going strong, but I'm going to die faster on my battery. So it's the idea of like, if that's your low power mode, how are you going into your house where you're, you know, have kids, dogs, pets, anything else like that, and making sure you're still present with them too. So it's a yeah. very interesting thing of like making sure how we utilize our energy great for all aspects of our life and increasing our battery personally for our own energy source can be getting sleep, getting proper nutrition, getting our workout in, getting our nap in. Maybe it means not getting our workout in so that we can preserve the energy that we have. Because if you don't have enough sleep, I'd rather have somebody work on getting more sleep or get a nap in versus get an hour workout in. Mm-hmm. So it is def- definitely a fine line that we're trying to teach people. Like, how do you promote wellness in your whole entire life? Cause you only got one source of energy. Yeah. I really like that analogy of the phone and the low power mode. That makes so much sense. And you're absolutely right. There are people out there in the world. I am not one of them who don't charge their phone at night. <laughs> like iPhone users, you guys are weird. I'm an Android person. Um, yes. I charge the phone. And my oh, phone is actually yeah. on a charger right now. I When my phone gets to like 90%, I'm like, oh no, I need to charge my phone. Because I like it to be like at 100%. That's just me personally. And I carry like 
chargers in my purse and stuff. And we're oh my goodness. I don't know. Yeah, we'll go three days without charging their phone, just like people will go two or three days without getting solid sleep or without getting good nutrition or drinking every day, right? And you do, you wake up at less than 100%, which means you are absolutely right. Not that you're literally going to die faster, but you will die faster. (laughs) Yes. And it's my easiest way to explain it to students and stuff is like, you get to 20%, you can't have all the apps open on your phone anymore. You can't be watching Hulu and doing your studying and doing, you can't, your phone's going to die quicker. So you can't go at that same rate. So what are you doing to get rid of things off of your plate for that day and realize you have to put that to the side in order to finish strong with what you absolutely need to get done? Absolutely. I love it. So Michelle, a, a, a great deal of our listeners either run their own business So whether it's remote coaching or they're seeing people in person or a a hybridization of that and uh, work in health clubs in the traditional four wall health club, because of, you know, if you were to take a look at the number of trainers, which I believe is somewhere between 300 and 450,000, nobody can agree on that uh, in the United States, I would say a very small percentage of those work in recreational sports centers or rec sports centers like you do. So it'd be great if you could share with our listeners more about what it is that you, where you work, what Mm -hmm. that facility is, and what your role and responsibilities are. That's actually a fantastic question because when I first got my job here, I was like, it can't be that different than what I've always done. And it truly is very different because the population I see is a majority of students, because we do have them living here on campus, but I do see staff and faculty, alumni, family. We have children running around here right now going to the pool and doing things like that. And it's kind of this really rare opportunity to kind of run a fitness center that's for college, but almost YMCA-esque in some yeah. ways too, because you're working with families and you're having this beautiful relationship. So we see a, a whole gamut of different things that we need to solve and stuff like that. While we're going from like staff and faculty who like need to get in better shape, maybe they were weakened warriors, maybe they're trying to do different things, or maybe they just have been sitting for the past pandemic. So they're trying to get better in shape that way versus the college students who may have been athletes in high school. And now they're coming into the gym and using it as their like gym now that they are no longer an athlete and stuff like that. And one of the other things, which I've spoken to the two of you guys about, one of my big things I try to work on here and preach it's the difference between real information and Instagram information. Yes. I, I get, this is a passion project of mine. <laughs> real <laughs> passion project because I am, I love ISETs based in science. I have a degree in exercise science. Like I've gone through your, your personal training program. It's scientifically sound. Then I get students that come to me and say, well, I'm going to say, I don't think I can cuss on this podcast. So they've, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now someone comes to me, they're like, this person has a great glute. We'll use the word glute in this yeah. situation. They're like, this person has a really great glute. I'm like, that person's photoshopped. Like, yeah. I don't care what you say, like, and what you're doing, you're not going to get that. Or they come to me and they say like, Kim Kardashian has that hourglass figure. I'm like, okay, can we talk about how Kim Kardashian had her course, like corset made for her to like stick her ribs into? Like, let's talk about like what's going on there. What's the latest trends in Instagram? What's going, like I had people wearing sweat belts. I was like, what are we doing? Like what? And then I was like, please give me the information on the scientific peer research paper that you got this from. And they're like, oh, follow this Instagram account. I'm like, I don't care. She has 193 followers. That didn't mean anything to me. Like, yeah, 
there is no science behind it all. So really helping my students understand, like, if you can't scientifically explain to me why this is going on in the body, maybe think twice about why are you following this diet or latest trend? Yeah. That's huge. Absolutely. So that's all health promotion right there, right? You're talking about like actual science that will actually get you results, things that you can actually do. And like even the rec center that you're working in, that's health promotion too. I love the fact that you guys are catering to families and people in the community, not just students. And a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot more facilities out there that are like that than you think. And most major college campuses, they will let outside people or non-students go to the rec center. It might be a different cost for them, whereas the students might have the cost of that rec center rolled into their tuition and fees, right, for example. But it is open to the general public, and I love that. And there's so many other programs that, like, governments offer, states offer, like WIC, Women, Infant, and Children, and, like, mm -hmm. food pantries and all these things. Those are health promotion organizations as well. Right. So there's lots of different ways to um, promote health and instill it in people, whether like regardless of their stage of life, their situation, their age. Um, super cool that you guys are doing that. Now, in your role currently, how do you work with the students that you see, the college level students, mm -hmm. um, as far as pursuing their goals, getting a training experience or even potentially moving into something like health promotion? That is actually something I'm very lucky and passionate that I get to actually work with. So through my partnership with ISA and F45, we have students that get ISA certified, like personal training certified, and then they become ISA personal trainers here on campus. Nice. Like, I am so grateful for, and this has just been my personal experience. I got certified. I ended up working at a box gym. I had no mentoring. It was just mm -hmm. literally like, go in, sell, and start serving the population. And I was really, really, really lost. We are here because they are student trainers. So yeah. they are students first, trainers second. So first off, we work within their um, their schedules of what's going on with their own academic life. But also too, they work with me, they mentor with me. So they actually do shadowing together. They actually train each other. They go into different programs like that. So they have an opportunity to like work within like the ISA beautiful program that you guys have. And be like, hey, I'm going to put you through a lower body mobility workout that I said that I've learned through ice and stuff like that. But then they go ahead and they critique with each other before they ever get on the floor to actually train people for a product or train people for a package. So yeah. that's kind of the beauty of being able to work here is I get to take students who are interested in personal training and also might not have it as like their major. We have a human health science major, but I have people that are marketing majors because mm -hmm. We know from this beautiful industry that we're in, you can do it while having a full time of something else. Yes. Yeah. So that's the beauty of what we're in. So I would love to take a marketing major who's like, I'm passionate about this and helping other people mentor them from when they take that certification to when I feel comfortable having them take on clients and stuff like that and continually train with them. Then they can also teach F45 classes and stuff like that. And the opportunity to be able to build a student's confidence through not only their own personal you know journey but also through their ability to talk one-on-one -on -one with people that mm -hmm. might be their staff and faculty that they work with also to work with community members and such has been a great beneficial thing just on our campus and other places and i really hope that one of the things that we can do now more just in the fitness journal fitness industry in general is take the upcoming group of people that are coming on and mentor each other. Cause that's what we're here for. We all, I have people that I learned from at that age. And I think it's a great chance for us to always get back into this industry. Yeah. And we're, pre we're preparing people better. 
right? Because mm -hmm. um, there's, we all know fitness has a ton of turnover, no matter what you do. Um, good, like good trainer, not so good trainer. It's, there's tons of turnover. And a lot of it's just because people don't know what to do, right? Or you get to a point where you're like, I've maxed out, I've hit my glass ceiling, and I can't get farther than this, right? Well, if somebody yeah. mentored you, they could go into a role like you're in. You're not necessarily yeah. training people every day, like as far as like, here, do this bicep curl type training. You're training them in other ways. Um, things like what I do, writing content and, you know, hosting podcasts and stuff like that. There's all kinds of ways that you can stay in the industry, but if you don't know what you don't know, then you don't know. So I love that. That's the other beautiful part is I have student trainers that are actually managers to the trainers. Mm -hmm. So that's another aspect of it is like management is a whole nother ball game when it comes to doing stuff like that. So I have two, two student trainers who actually manage my personal training program with me. And they actually meet with those people one-on-one. -on -one. So they're getting management experience for going outside of this compound. And on top of that, they come to me with blog ideas. They come to me with trainer tip ideas for Instagram. They come to me with all this different stuff. They come to me with like workshop ideas and they actually create them from start to finish. Nice. And I'm just here to help flush out all the details and stuff like that to make sure it's a safe program and such. So it's one of those things where I'm like, what a beautiful opportunity to do that. Because as a baby trainer, none of that. I had no, no experience doing any of that stuff like that. So that's the beauty of doing this on a college campus. Here we go. We're back for another ISSA rapid review. Jonathan had this to say about the ISSA certified personal training course. I found the course materials extremely educating and the ability to go at my own pace was amazing. We're glad you loved the course, Jonathan. You know, I, uh, uh, to date myself a bit here, uh, years ago, it was after I was out of school, but not long after, um, they opened a rec center at Chico State, which ironically is a partner of ISSA's now, but they opened a rec center at Chico State, which is in California. Um, and, and I remember the scuttle with the gyms and all the people. It's like, oh, we got a new competitor. People are going to leave our gym, et cetera, et cetera. So fast forward. Uh, I don't know, 15 years later, 20 years later, I have a, my oldest son is 32 and he went to school at Chico State and, and he didn't live with me. So it's kind of a, we were a blended family. So he's living with mom and, and Josh was never into sports. He was never into lifting. You know, he had the forward shoulder posture. He was a, he was a brain. He was a geek. He was a 4.0 that you never had to tell me to do their homework. So that was a blessing, but I was like, man, this kid needs to move. He's, here I am, an exercise junkie and a wannabe bodybuilder. I'm like, how am I going to you know, convince this guy? We see each other at Christmas uh, one year, and he's lean, and he's lost all his weight, and he's got some muscles. And he says, Dad, can you write me an exercise program? I'm like, who are you and what would you do with my son? And guess what? It was the Rec Sports Center that opened, God, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago in that same town at that same college. And so it changed him. I mean, it literally changed his life going to that rec sports center. And I think I shared this with you, Michelle, but I, I, I'm eternally grateful because if it was him going out and joining a gym in town, it probably never would have happened. But because it was right there on campus and now he runs and he's you know fit and he's into exercise. So talk to us just a little bit more about the importance of instilling that, that those behaviors and those habits at an early age. That's a huge thing right there. Cause I also just know from my own personal experience, like I was not going down a good path at 18 and that 18 to 22, 24 is such a pivotal years of how you can 
really help define yourself. There's actually a really great book called How to Define the Decade by Meg Cabot, I believe. And she actually talks about how the 20s, as much people think of it as a fluff years of you doing like whatever the heck you want, really sets you up for life for mm -hmm. what you want to do. And those pivotal years, if I can help people learn how to look for the correct information, to instill healthy diet um, habits between them, to help them feel less intimidated going into the facility. Because I think that's one of the other barriers to injuries, just feeling intimidated walking into this big 2,000 square foot facility and being like, where do I even begin? And kind of getting them started on something like that. The habits you create at this time, the friendships you create during this time, which I think the friendships also have a huge component to it all too. I know when I was trying to change my life, I had to get rid of all the friends. <laughs> they were all they all needed to go. And my friendship group then came out of like my running groups. And I think we can all can talk here about how like most of our friends, honestly, are people that we've met through like fitness because they're just really gosh darn happy people that are just yeah. friends that want to go do things. And I think it's important to help students understand that like a fitness isn't zero to hundred. I know I'm that personality person that's like, does got a job and an estate in it, but how can we fit fitness into your life that it doesn't just mean you have to come to the facility. I'm also trying to help uh, students understand of like, go out into the field and like surf, skateboard, do stuff like that. That's all considered fitness too. And doing things like that and kind of just helping them incorporate a active lifestyle that doesn't mean you have to go into the gym and lift three times a week. That doesn't just mean it stops right there. How to incorporate better, healthier decisions on the foods that we order around here and stuff like that. So it's one of those things that if we can capture this particular period and really instill healthy habits and true science during this time frame and help them decipher like what is good and bad information and how to help them set themselves up with communities of great people, it changes your life. It, and I'm seeing that in a big, like big picture way, but I know that it's changed my life for the way that it is now. And my matron of honor was actually someone I met at a 5k, like <laughs> met her at a 5k. She and I ironically had signed up for the same marathon training program to this day. Love this woman, best friends with her. Like that's how I meet my friends nowadays. Yeah, and I think you guys are really highlighting the importance of rec centers. So again, to those of you guys who are just getting into the field or maybe want to make a change, it's not just gyms, studios, you know, hit training studios, CrossFit gyms, like recreation centers um, are in most major communities. If you don't know, contact your local chamber of commerce and find out where the rec center is in your area. In Arizona, every single municipality here has at least three or four rec centers. You just have to know where they are. And the, with recreation centers, it's not a gym. Right to your point, they don't just have resistance training stuff. They have education, so they'll teach you about nutrition and do seminars on shopping and things like that. They have swimming sometimes, right? They do group classes. They have basketball leagues and volleyball leagues and flag football leagues and soccer leagues. Like they all, it's recreation in general. So it's such a huge scope at a rec center. So I think a lot of people, Michelle, like unfortunately, they hear oh rec center and they think YMCA. To your point earlier, and they're like oh I don't I don't want to go there. Why wouldn't you? The offerings are so much bigger in a rec center and the opportunities when you work in a rec center, you guys are huge. You could start off on the fitness floor, but then you end up in a front office somewhere or managing the climbing wall, right? Like there's tons of opportunity in a rec center um, to not only impact people, which most people get into fitness because they wanna impact people, right? They wanna help people, they wanna change people's lives. Why wouldn't you wanna get in touch with more people, right? So it's a great place to work. 
It's amazing. I think what people also don't realize is like within campus recreation and working work centers, there's an intramural and club sports director. There's some yeah. instructors. There's often outdoor rec directors. There's myself doing fitness and wellness and such, but it's all encompassing. And I'm actually super excited because I'm getting nutrition certified through ISA right now to do like nice. consultations with people and such. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so since I have my running shoes on, Michelle, mm -hmm. Talk to us about, I, 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 I hear you're trying to qualify or have trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon, like the marathon. <laughs> so it's my lifelong goal to qualify for the marathon. I, since running the first marathon and finding out about Catherine Switzer, who was the first female to run the um, Boston Marathon, it's been my goal. I am not a fast runner. As we already spoke, I was not a <laughs> athlete, like that. My first marathon was six hours. I had a person that I'm no longer friends with just because of this statement. She was like, you realize as we're doing like a 13 mile pace, she's like, you realize the guy that's already won has won, gotten his trophy, gotten his car, gotten his money. He's probably back at the hotel. I'm like, why are you telling oh, me? Wow. Like I am impressed. Um, so I ran slowly. I ran 10 marathons, I actually ran nine marathons in like three years and then had to take a break. And then I ran the New York marathon. And then during the pandemic, I was like, if you're going to go for it, now is the time. So I actually, through nutrition and through sound science of like rechanging my body, I actually lost weight and lost body fat and reshaped my twitch muscles and stuff like that to go from running, well, my fastest half marathon was 223. I went down to running an hour 43. Wow. I'm now doing a sub eight minute mile. I have the California International Marathon on December 4th that I'm looking to qualify for Boston. My Boston qualifying time is 335 I'm trying to hit 330 so I am trying to do sub eight minute miles for three and a half hours now wow so, I, I ran that California uh, international marathon CIM of, I don't know eight mm -hmm. years ago or something and it's flat and downhill that's what I so mean. you can rip that thing not me but you can <laughs> that's my goal I have that one which this is the other side knows I'm really trying to qualify in December and hit 3.30 because uh, my husband and I are actually becoming wow. foster parents and opening that up in January. Nice. Oh, Congratulations. Good for you. Super cool. I signed up for a half marathon once. <laughs> I signed up for it, did not attend. But mind you, it was right as COVID kicked in. It was the San Francisco rock and roll half. And then you guys, so I kind of trained for it. I'm so glad it got canceled, if I'm being honest, because I didn't really train for it. Mm -hmm. here, I didn't really train for it. And then I realized, I was like, I'm an idiot. It's got hills. And everything I was training was flat in Arizona. I didn't plan for the hills. I was like, I would have died. I would have literally died. But you would have <laughs> felt good doing it. You would no. have felt good, Jen. I was, I was looking forward to the vacation around the San Francisco half marathon. And I was like, oh, it's okay. It's only like three or four hours of my weekend. And then the rest of the weekend, I can just hang out with my mom. <laughs> Hills are a key part of my training, actually. And Dan knows from where I live. I live near Palos Verdes. So I train in hills. So my first mile and a half, all my runs are uphill for a mile and a half to start. So it's getting me faster. And also too, if you're ever going to do San Francisco, they no longer have this marathon, but if they did highly recommend the Nike women's marathon where they give you a Tiffany necklace at the end. I got Ooh. one. Yeah. I got one. I got, I got to hug a fireman at the end. Yeah, so the firefighter in a tuxedo gives you a Tiffany's. Yeah. I was like, score. what? <laughs> I would run for that. That's still <laughs> my, favorite running, your language shirt. Now. I, oh still my, my favorite running shirt. Wait, you said they don't do this one anymore. Or they do. No. no. Sad day. I'll let you know yeah. when it comes back though. I will let you know if it comes back. All right. We'll run for jewelry and firemen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the show. 
It's still my favorite training shirt. Look at this, man. This thing has been. Oh I my, I can't quite see uh, it. Oh, you can't see it. Uh, I don't know how to make yeah, it. Yeah, right oh, I see it now. I see it now. There it is. There you go. Nice. Yeah, cut the sleeves off. It's greasy. It's <laughs> I have the tip. I want to get the Tiffany Nike shoe that they come out with. I'm Ooh. still trying to buy those off of eBay one day. Well, here's oh the thing. I, I, I don't know about, uh, you know, how it, how it works for you, Michelle, but my wife is like a Sherpa when I do these. She, she did a half marathon with me once, but otherwise she helps and she's my aide and she quit. She, she, she retired after I did a, a big race a few years ago. So she doesn't even go anymore. But this one, I got to give her a necklace after the run, a Tiffany necklace. So how many times do you get to do that? That's beautiful. Probably got some brownie points on that one. I did, <laughs> I did. That's awesome. Well, Michelle, if anyone wants to look you up or find you, where can our listeners find you? So you can find me at Michelle Rose Fit. That's two L's, Michelle Rose Fit on Instagram. You guys are welcome to contact me there through on DM. I also, you can contact me through just LMU and stuff like that. I'm on the LMU directory and such, but if you guys want to contact me through Instagram, you're welcome to do that too. Nice. Very cool. Well, do you have, Michelle, we'll start with you. Do you have any last words for our listeners? Anything that you want to share or give them something to think about? Wherever you start may not be where you're going to end. My, my biggest goal was actually become a Hollywood trainer. And that was the job I hated the most. And the I job mean, I love the most is the one that I never thought I would have. I never thought I would have an opportunity to come back to a college campus and work. So if you can be flexible in what your dreams and goals are, you never know where the universe is going to lead you. Love it. Love it. Explore all the opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Very nice. Much so. Very nice. I love that. Dan, how about you? Any last words? Yeah. You know, with a, 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 one of my mantras and kind of a running or anything theme, and that's what I'm going to get to is relentless forward progress. You don't have to be first. It doesn't matter if you're last. You just need to get there. So, so, so put one foot in front of the other, relentless forward progress, and eventually you will arrive. Just don't quit. Love it. Nice. I like that. No, and mine's going to be similar to Michelle's. Like, definitely explore all your options out there. And I'm not saying say yes to everything, but if something comes up, at least explore it, at least entertain it, learn more, find out more and see what it could potentially lead to. Cause you might find that you love something that you never knew existed. Um, so keep your, keep your opportunities open guys and, and be willing to work for it. It's always going to be work. Nothing's ever easy in life. That's a word removed from the dictionary. Easy. It's always going to be work. They're simple, but mm -hmm. they're, they're not easy. Very much so, so I love that. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us. It was good to see you again. This has been lovely. Thank you guys so much. And please, when you guys come up to California, I we don't have to, we'll go with a run with Dan and then I'll take you to like happy hour with me. <laughs> we got everything here in LA. Please come out and visit sometime. I would be so happy to host you here on LMU's campus. Nice. Well, we might take you up on that. Please Just do. you wait and see. Love I'm going to show up in Dan's suitcase. <laughs> yes. I've met you, Jenny. I don't know that that's happening now. It's you know, really, really like big suitcase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice well thank you so much again michelle for joining us and thank you all for listening as we leave you we remind you as usual guys make good choices we'll be talking to you soon